So, how did you spend May the 19th? I'm sure you remember it. It was a glorious Saturday. Did you, spot, uh, did you spend it watching the royal wedding? Or did you even take the trek over to Windsor to join the crowds there? Or did you watch the FA Cup final? Or did you do both and sandwiched a barbecue in between? It was the day for it. Well, let me tell you where I was. I was in the West Midlands, my, my hometown, meeting with some of my family, including my two brothers, my two younger brothers. I'm the big sister, okay? Two younger brothers. So we sat in a park at a little picnic bench with a cupcake and a coffee. And the conversation, which actually began with my two younger brothers, moved on to the aging process. And having to reluctantly accept that we find ourselves, and I include myself in this, at that age where we can't do some of the things that we used to. Our minds are still active and vibrant, or at least I like to think so, but our bodies, perhaps not so. Well, Keeney, you may say, that conversation with your family sounds like a barrel of laughs, but it prompted me to share some reflections with you at our healing service this evening. Because the fact is, there is no getting away from it. We are mortal, fragile human beings, made of flesh and bone, and prone to weakness and pain. I remember reading Jennifer Saunders, if you remember Jennifer Saunders from Abfab, if we have any fans out there, uh, reading her autobiography, she's just slightly older than me, and said that she was walking up the stairs one day and kept hearing this kind of percussion and didn't know what it was. And every time she stopped, she couldn't hear it anymore. And then she'd start and she'd hear it again. And then she realized it was her knees as she made her way upstairs. We are prone to weakness and pain. We are decaying. And I remember in my last appointment, someone pulling me up after a service where I mentioned in my sermon a comment about coming to terms with our own mortality. His comment to me was, coming to terms with our own mortality. But I thought we, we have to. But as life goes on, our ailments almost become our companions at times as we learn to live with conditions such as arthritis, heart problems, dementia, etc., which can then lead to depression and loneliness. And as Christians, we are not exempt. And just remember here, there is much debate as to the nature of Paul's own thorn in the flesh, which was not taken away from him, even though he pleaded. So all through our lives, 
we will become susceptible to the aging process. But although our bodily strength fades away, our soul keeps growing stronger and stronger. In fact, it may be said that the very sufferings which weaken our body may be the very things that strengthen our soul. The very sufferings which weaken our body may be the very things that strengthen the soul. I love reading the commentator William Barclay, and he writes this. We talk a great deal about the power of man. Sorry, this is, all, this is going back to before the PC days. We talk a great deal about the power of man and about the vast forces he now controls. But the real characteristic of man is not his power, but his weakness. Life has surrounded us with infirmity, although Christ has surrounded us with glory, so that we may remember that the infirmity is ours and the glory is God's and recognize our utter dependence upon him. And I think this is reflected in the contrasts that Paul writes about in that passage that Wes has just read. Verse 8 says this, Yes, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Yes, we are perplexed. And the definition of that is to be at a loss as to what to say or do. Yes, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned because God never gives up on us. Yes, we may be struck down, that is cast down to the ground by your enemy. But you know what, Paul says? We are not destroyed. Here is a conquering message against all adversity. So where is the good news in all of this? Because we are a faith that is about good news. Our bodies may be decaying, but within there is renewal. When Paul writes about treasure in jars of clay, he prompts one commentator to write this. The destruction of the earthenware vessel reveals more clearly the treasure it contains. And this is accredited to the all-surpassing power from God and not from us. You cannot endure or escape your trials by using your own resources. When the enemy seems to have the Apostle Paul in his power, God delivered him again and again. And the same is true for us. And for the Apostle Paul, as a minister of the gospel, to live for Jesus' sake involved the readiness to suffer mentally and physically for his sake. It carried with it the liability of being put to death for Jesus' sake. 
but the fact that the suffering did not overwhelm him and the threat of martyrdom martyrdom had so far been postponed was evidence that a supernatural power, the life of Jesus was being made manifest in his mortal flesh. And so again, William Barclay observes, from the physical point of view, life may be a slow but inevitable slipping down the slope that leads to death. But the spiritual point of view is a climbing up the hill that leads to the presence of God. And so no one need fear the years for they bring them nearer, not to death, but to God. So maybe it's fair to say here that in the midst of our trials and tribulations, our aches and our pains, we need to pan out and see the bigger picture. I noticed in preparation for this evening Different translations of that reading from 2 Corinthians have different titles. Let me just share a few with you. And these titles actually reveal there are two sides to this. So one title is this, Tribulations and Triumph. Another is this, Present Weakness and Resurrection life. As a Christian, we acknowledge the here and now and the present, but we also look ahead to the future when we will be victorious. We look ahead to triumph. We look ahead to the resurrection life. And what I want to make clear here is please do not misunderstand me This is not a message this evening of put up or shut up, but it speaks of the Christian hope in the face of adversity in terms of this evening of chronic illness that some of you may be suffering. There's an interesting point in that passage from 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, It says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Note what Paul is saying here at the start of that verse. Paul writes about light shining out of the darkness. Did you see that? Light shining out of the darkness, not into it. And what are we to understand about this? Well, I think that that verse shapes the way that we understand Jesus' presence among us. And the verse means that even from the midst of our darkness, the light of Christ is strong enough to shine out. The light of Christ is still active even in our darkest moments. A light, John tells us, that will not be extinguished because the light, 
Christ's light has been there all the time since creation and abides with us in the present, in our lives, and combines them into a future promise of the future light. We have sung that hymn, O love, that wilt not let me go. There's a fascinating story about how that hymn came to be written, written by the Reverend George Matheson. And it was written through the deep, deep trials of his illness and desertion. He became blind at the age of 19 and he never, never recovered his sight. His fiancée left him because she could not accept, in her words, being the wife of a blind man. And so this devastating experience, or this double blow really for George Matheson, prompted him some years later to write this deeply poignant hymn, expressing that despite his pain, his trust and his hope remained in the love of God in Jesus Christ as his saviour. And so for me, that is an example of light shining out of George Matheson's darkness. I said earlier that we are mortal, fragile human beings, made of flesh and bone, prone to weakness and pain, and that we are, each of us, decaying. Nevertheless, we are ultimately precious to God. Each and every one of us, each and every one of you, in your lovely uniqueness, is precious to God. And we celebrate that in Psalm 139. It says, you Lord hem me in, you lay your hand upon me. God's love embraces us all and he holds each of us tenderly in the palm of his loving, faithful hand. When Desmond Tutu was asked once how he kept the faith and maintained his hope during the darkest days of apartheid, his eyes sparkled. And that smile spread across his face, that smile that we can bring to mind now. And he simply said, I've read to the end of the book and we win. Read the book, we win. And I encourage you even now, in the face of everything that's coming apart, in the face of your weakness, in the face of your pain, in your present weakness, take heart. Come forward for prayer this evening and read to the end of the story. Read to the end of the story, friends, because we win. Amen.